God's grace to We're turning in God's Word this morning, please, to the Gospel of Luke. We're turning to the Gospel of Luke, please, and we're going to read from the chapter 2, and we're going to read from the verse 41, please, Luke, and chapter 2, and the verse 41, please. I would like to speak to you this morning under the title, The Need for the Divine Presence of Christ. The Need for the Divine Presence of Christ. It is so good that we're finally together. It seemed when I accepted the call that this day was a very long time away. Um, but it's come round so fast and it's great if I can be here. If I ask you what your name is twice, it's not because I don't like you. When I was a primary school teacher, on the first days I used to make them put a little label uh, on their, their uniform and I was still getting their names wrong. Um, but I will eventually get to know each of you and um, I'm really looking forward to this as uh, the weeks go through and we're really looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do among us in the coming months and years in His will. Luke chapter 2 please and we're reading from the verse 41. This is the word of the Lord, and it reads, Now his parents, that is, the Lord Jesus' parents, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus carried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that he sought me? Wist he not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Just another prayer as we read this word. Father, we thank you that we now have an open Bible upon our laps. We thank you, Father, that this is a living and active book. But Father, as we listen to you speak to us just now, we pray that you would make the book live and make the book live in us. Father, grant help to me. I pray, Father, that you will single me out for an infilling of your spirit just now. That, Father, you would grant me great help by you to go. And, Father, I pray that the Spirit of God will move from seat to seat and minister to each one of us, we pray. We pray this for your glory. 
and in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Henry Francis Light was of delicate health at the, at the end of his life, but it didn't stop him from working like an ox year after year as he pastored among the seafaring folk around Devonshire in England. Uh, but finally his strength gave out and in 1847 his doctor suggested that he should move to a milder climate in the south of France. It was a heartbreaking parting and light couldn't leave without one final sermon to his church congregation of 24 years. His health was so frail that his friends advised him not to do it. He wasn't well enough, they told him. But he persevered and in his final sermon he pleaded with his gathered congregation to become acquainted with the changeless Christ and his death. He wanted his congregation to recognize that without the presence of Christ in their lives and in the church body, their efforts would be useless and their lives would be of no eternal value. The evening after he preached, he found comfort in pondering the words that we find in John chapter 15 that read, Abide in me and I in you. After reading those verses that evening, he wrote a poem which he passed on to his adopted daughter before he died. And the poem read these words, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers feel and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Light was a man who knew the critical importance of the abiding Christ in his life. And he knew his great need of the divine presence of the Lord. He knew that without Christ he was nothing, and he knew without the presence of Christ in his church fellowship that there would be no point in gathering. Corrie Ten Boom once said, that she was no good without the presence of Christ in her life. In fact, she said this. She said, like some railway tickets in America, I am not good if detached. It's no good if we're detached from Christ. No good if we're detached from the divine presence. No good if we lose a sense of the divine presence of Christ. And that's why I would like to speak to you this afternoon under this title, The Need for the Divine Presence of Christ. And as we come to God's Word this afternoon, we find the account of when Mary and Joseph, who were Christ's earthly parents, the protectors of his presence, they lost the Lord Jesus. You see, the family had been in Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. We read about that in verse 41. It says there, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the, fast, at the feast of the Passover. Three times a year, under the Levitical law, the Jewish men were required to visit Jerusalem to celebrate three feasts. That's why in verse 42 it speaks of a custom or a law of the feast. It was the law of the feast. It was the custom of the feast. 
This was an event that had been commanded by the Lord. It was written into the Levitical law. And you can read that for yourself as you ponder God's word this afternoon in Leviticus chapter 23. But quite often the men would bring their whole family with them. They would bring their wives. They would bring their children. It was a great event. It was a time of celebration in Jerusalem. And all the people would have came to celebrate this event. And here they were gathering for the Passover. When the Jewish people remembered and celebrated the final plague in Egypt. When the angel of death passed over their homes. And ultimately set them free from slavery. At other time of year they would have met for the Feast of Pentecost. That week was the Feast of Firstfruits when they celebrated God's faithful provision and harvest. Then the final feast that the men were required to make the journey to Jerusalem for was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was when the people remembered their wanderings in the wilderness and God provided manna from heaven. But you know, very little is recorded in Scripture about Christ's childhood. In fact, the passage that we have read this afternoon is probably one of the most detailed accounts you will find about his childhood. This was an account when the Saviour was just 12 years old and has been reserved by the Spirit of God to teach us many lessons. On this occasion, Mary and Joseph had travelled. They travelled from Nazareth there to Jerusalem in verse 43 we read, when they had fulfilled the days after they had stayed in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, they were returning to Nazareth. It says they returned. But the child Jesus carried in Jerusalem, and Joseph and Mary, they knew not of it, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, went on a day's journey. Mary and Joseph, traveling there in that day, grew back to Nazareth, Verse 44 tells us that they supposed that the Lord, he was there in the company. And they went and they traveled one day out of Jerusalem without him. The women would have all walked in one group as they traveled back, and the men would have traveled in one group. And you know what it's like, the men thought the child was with the women, and the women thought the child was with the men, and everyone was supposing that the Lord Jesus was with them. But he wasn't. His presence was missing. And while all this was going on, the Lord Jesus had found his way to the temple there in Jerusalem. And he spent three days there, hearing what the doctors and teachers had to say, asking them questions, teaching them. And the men in the temple, they were astonished at his presence. That They were astonished at his knowledge. He would have been teaching the Old Testament. He would have been speaking about himself. He would have been teaching things and pointing out things that these men had never noticed in Scripture before. Now, truth be told, you would have expected these men to look at the 12-year-old child and say, Where are your parents? Or where are you from? Or where should you be? But they were so taken up. Taken up with what? They were taken up with the presence of Christ in their midst. They were captivated by Christ. They were just consumed by his presence and his teaching. And they gleaned from his perfect knowledge. And they gleaned from his perfect teaching. And they gleaned from his perfect doctrine. In the meantime, Mary and Joseph had gone a day behind them. And it was only after a day of not seeing the child that they began to search. 
In verse 44, it says that they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. You know, it was bad enough to lose a child. But surely it was even worse to lose this presence of the Son of God. You know, you and I can very quickly rush in and accuse Mary and Joseph of neglect. We might accuse them of desertion of duty. But immediately the thought that crosses my mind is this. There are many times in my sheep, my Christian experience, that similarly I have neglected Christ's presence in my life. Neglected his fellowship. Lost his company. And if you're honest with yourself this afternoon before the Lord, Dear child of God, you could probably say the same. You know, when you go a day without the Lord's presence, doesn't it become harder to get back to where you were? You see, Mary and Joseph, they were a day's journey out of Jerusalem. They would have to return to Jerusalem, that was another day, two days. And then it took them three days to find the Lord again, five days. Without the presence of the Lord in their life, one day, one step without it, they lost five days of fellowship with Him. One day without Christ, one step, dear child of God, without the divine presence, is a dangerous step to take. Now, this is a special Lord's Day in the history of this local church. It's the beginning of a new chapter. There was the missing presence of a pastor for ten months. And the Lord in his grace and mercy has brought us together to labor, labor for him in this area. And I do come with a great sense of excitement and anticipation as we consider all that the Lord is going to do. But it's not the presence of a pastor that will bring the blessing. It's the divine presence of Christ that will bring the blessing. <coughs> And I believe that it's possible for the believer to lose a sense of the divine presence of Christ. And let me make this clear before I go on. For the child of God, for the person that has put their trust in the finished work of Calvary, the Lord has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is true. But I believe there are times when a saved individual, a whole church fellowship, a pastor, can lose the sense of the divine presence. For the child of God, now listen to this carefully, our relationship is always secure. Our relationship with Christ will never change. We cannot be plucked from his hand. Once saved, always saved. But our fellowship with the Lord can be marked. And we can lose that sense of his presence in our lives. When you go on for days and you never hear his voice and he never hears yours. Or maybe at times it can be longer than that. There are times when the sense of the divine presence in our fellowship with the Lord, it can be marred by our sin. And we won't see a blessing until we confess that sin. We won't see the Lord move until we're striving to live for him. Then we make it clear that if we're to know the Lord's blessing here as a fellowship together, we're in great need of that closeness of the divine presence of Christ. Now all I simply want to do here this afternoon in the time that we have left in this part of our service is make a number of observations from our text. 
Let's see what we can learn from this Bible passage together. We're to see the Lord at work in the coming weeks and months and years. He must have his presence with us. The hymn writer got it right when they wrote, I must have the Saviour with me. For I dare not walk alone. I must be his presence with me. And his arms around me thrown. And he says, then my soul will hear me well. I want you to know from our passage this morning, the time of the loss. The time of the loss. You know, Mary and Joseph, they were in Jerusalem. They were actually obeying the word of the Lord. They were there obeying his word. They were fulfilling their God-given duty. God had commanded that they would be in Jerusalem to remember the feast of the Passover. And it was a time of blessing in Jerusalem. But it was during that time of blessing that the presence of the Lord lived. It's, they were living there in obedience of God's word. You can think there of Jerusalem, the holy city, and everyone gathered. Uh, and Passover season there. And it was that time of a high that they lost the Lord's presence. There would have been a great congregation of pilgrims that would have been milling around the streets of the city, traveling in and out. They were among their relatives, Mary and Joseph, who would have loved Christ, and among people who loved the Lord God, Jehovah, and that's why they were in the city. They were there because they were obeying God's word. They were in the midst of holy heritage. Among the Jews, God's chosen people, Israel, and it would have been a special time of rejoicing, a special time of feasting, and they would have been taking part in solemn worship. You could imagine, you would imagine that that would be a time that you could never walk away from the Lord. You would imagine that would be a time that you would never lose the divine presence of Christ. But it was during that time that they lost that presence. That can happen. We can mistake familiarity with our intimacy with the Lord. Church attendance. Church attendance. It's not the same. This was a mountaintop season. This was a good time. Isn't that the reality in our lives? When things are going well, that's the very time that we can drift from the Lord. During the good season, you may feel that you don't need to read as much, or you don't need to pray as much, but you don't need to go to as many meetings because life is good. Life is blessed. And that's when we're most vulnerable. And that's when the devil attacks. It's not when things are going wrong that we just need the Lord. We need Him in the good times. We need Him all the time. The good times in the mountaintop. And the bad times in the valley. We need His presence with us always. And here in Jerusalem during this mountaintop experience, that's when the divine presence was lost. So we must meet with the Lord in our best days, do you? We must meet with him on our worst days. We need to meet this meeting with the Lord, a daily habit of a lifetime. We'll be steadfast in our walk with God. Do you know what that means? It means continuance. It means to keep on going. We need that time each day when we meet with the Lord and, and praise Him for what He's doing in our lives. But we need that time when we meet with Him and we ask Him for help in those things that we're struggling with. And we can tell Him exactly how we're feeling. 
And, and we can spend that daily time on the Word when the Lord can minister to us and encourage us or rebuke us or lift our hearts to God. When we need that daily walk that keeps us close to the heart of God, if we want to be near to Him, we need to be lifting our hearts to Him every day. Let me ask you, dear child of God, is your meeting with God a daily habit of a lifetime? Let me ask you some fellowship. Will you be found on your knees for the, your own needs and for the needs of this fellowship? It's a wonder will you be found in the prayer meetings, even before our Lord's Day services. And we meet as a church and cry out to the Lord for blessing. I wonder when you meet them that week. When we meet around God's word and we pray together as a fellowship. If we want to know the divine presence in this fellowship, we need to seek the Lord with all our hearts. We never thought of this great kind of blessing that Mary and Joseph would lose the divine presence. Think about the time of the loss. I want you to know, secondly, the tragedy of the loss. The tragedy of the Lord. You see, it was a dreadful thing. It's a dreadful thing for our fellowship of the Lord to be spoiled and to lose that sense of His presence. But it's a tragedy to lose the divine presence and love of the Lord. Look at verse 30, 43 with me again. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the Lord Jesus, as they returned, the child Jesus carried behind in Jerusalem, and listen to this, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. They had lost the Lord's presence. And they didn't even know he was gone. They hadn't even noticed it. You know, there's churches up and down our land. They're running activities. And they may as well be a community center because the glory is departed. But you know, as I say that, that makes my soul quake. A church could look the part, and it could seem like everything is in place, but the glory may have departed. You know, we could think of the church of Ephesus in Revelation, and you would have went to that church. If you looked on at that church in Ephesus, every thing seemed to be in place. Their doctrine was sound. That they were seen to be serving the Lord well as you would have looked on. There seemed to be great activity. There seemed to be plenty going on. You and I would have said, Yes, that's the place for me. But you know what the Lord turned and said to the church in Ephesus? The Lord said this, Thou hast left thy first love. It's not organized activity and well planned services that will win revival against the enemy. It's our consecration to the Lord. And our devotion to the Lord. And our nearness to Him. Oh, that we as a fellowship will constantly be going forward in our needs. Oh, that we would seek to know the glory of the Lord present in our midst each time we meet here at Graves. Here's the greatest tragedy that could happen to anyone, any church. It's not even knowing that the Lord is departed. You see, the truth is, you won't return until you realize the glory is departed. Let me ask you, and when I say you, I'm not saying for you to think about everybody around you today. I'm asking you before the Lord. 
How many are you to the Lord today? Are you walking daily by the seat of your side? Do you seek to walk close to the Lord? Do you seek to know the heartbeat of the Father? How close are you to the heart of God? How close are we as a fellowship to the heart of God? Moses said to the Lord, I won't go any further unless your presence is coming with us. When Joshua sought the Lord after losing the battle of Ai, the Lord told Joshua that there was sin in the camp and it needed to be dealt with. And only when that sin in the camp was dealt with would the glory of the Lord return. Oh, how we must live close to the heart of God. The heaven never writes nearer, but he goes even further. He doesn't just want us to be nearer to the heart of God. He says, nearer, still nearer. Close to thy heart. Draw me, my Savior, how precious thou art. Fold me, oh, fold me close to thy breast. Shelter me, seek in that haven of rest. Are you walking near to him today? Or is this the day your child is born? Is this a moment in your Christian experience that you need to stop and repent and return? You know when John was writing to the Christians at the end of his life in First John, he told them to keep short accounts with the Lord, to keep confessing their sins. Lord, this is what he wrote to the Christians. This is sometimes used as a gospel verse. But this verse was written to the church. He said that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Note the time of the loss. Note the tragedy of the loss. Note the tears of the loss. The tears of the loss. You know, when Mary and Joseph find the child Jesus, we're told in verse 48 that Mary says to the Savior, Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Let me tell you, when you go for a period without the Lord, sin will enter your life very quickly, and it will lead to sorrow, and it will lead to misery. You know, if there's anyone here present this afternoon, and you've lost the presence of the Lord, it's not most likely that you haven't back, that you that you have backslidden in your heart rather than your life choices. What I mean by that? Well, you haven't run off to the nightclubs or the local pub. Or the bearing shops. You, you don't forget about the meeting. You're, you're here on the Lord's Day. But, but this afternoon your heart could be far from God. As we begin this new chapter as a fellowship together from pulpit to pew, we must heed this warning from the word of the Lord today. We need God's presence for blessing. For without it, there's sorrow and grief and misery and tears. The psalmist in Psalm 16, we've read it already today, says this, In thy presence, there is fullness of joy. Outside of the Lord's presence, there's nothing good for us. The time of the loss, the tragedy of the loss, the tears of the loss, the torment of the loss, the torment. I want you to notice that word sorrow in verse 48. You know, the same word is used for the rich man Lazarus, who was in hell. Now, the truth is that you wouldn't expect such a strong word to be applied to the believer. Sorrow, that same word used for that separation in hell, used 
But that word that Mary used is so important to us today. It means the depths of sorrow. It means that separation of fellowship. And the Lord's heart, and this kind of, of marred fellowship of the Lord, caused Mary to sorrow like she had never sorrowed before. She was in torment. You know, part of the punishment of hell is eternal separation from God. It's the place that God will never return. But I say this carefully this afternoon. For the child of God, we can never pass through hell or see it for pain eternity, praise the Lord. But let me suggest that when we lose the divine presence of Christ, we can experience just a small measure of the misery of the separation of hell. But you know, as we draw this part of our service to a close, praise God that in His grace and in His mercy that the divine presence can be recovered. Because we've seen the time of the Lord, and we've seen the tragedy of the Lord, we've seen the tears of the Lord, we've seen the torment of the Lord. But praise God in this passage, we see the turning from the Lord. Look at verse 45. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. You know, when they realized the Savior was gone, they forgot about everything. Nothing mattered anymore. And they immediately turned. And they immediately went and they saw the Lord. And you know, the word in this verse, what it means is that they were going to go on searching and searching and searching until they found him. Nothing else mattered. The priority was that Christ must be found again. And they turned back without delay. And they turned back without hesitation. And let me ask you, brother and sister, uh, I wonder if you've gone away from the Savior. Well, let me tell you this. The sooner you turn back and seek Him again, the better. They weren't going to do anything else until they found Christ's presence in their life again. And that they were sure of it. They would go on seeking and seeking and seeking. I remember many years ago, when we were on holiday with my family, one of my younger brothers, he got lost. And I remember even more vividly how my parents frantically began to seek him. And as soon as they realized he was missing, there was an immediate response. And that's what it takes. An immediate response. Fall on your knees. And seek the Lord again. Just like Mary and Joseph forget everything else. Seek him until you know. When you feel almost tangibly the divine presence back in your life again. And that fellowship of the Lord return. I want you to know where they sought him. They sought him where they lost him. Did you get that? They sought him where they lost him. They went back to Jerusalem. They, they backtracked to the place that they last had the Savior. What do you do when you do something? Well, my father has given me a wonderful habit of losing many things. 
sometimes the car keys go missing, the watch goes missing, and the phone goes missing. Normally, Lucy knows where it is. But you know, we backtrack and we say, when and where was the last time I taste that I had? And you go back to that place. And you recover. And Mary and Joseph, they recovered the Savior just where they lost him. They found him in Jerusalem. And he was about his father's business. Let me tell you the place to find the Savior this morning. The place where he finished the work. The cross. You find him at the cross and you find him when you left him. Maybe it was last week you stopped reading your Bible. It's been a busy week. You haven't had time. You'll find him when you pick up your Bible again. You'll find the divine presence when you read it again. Maybe it's been a long time since the Lord has heard your voice in prayer. You'll find him when you speak to him again. Maybe you've given in to yourself. And you can't find you will you find him when you repent of the cross. You'll find him at the cross. Where is the blessedness in you? When first I saw the Lord, where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his work? Return. O holy dove, return. Sweet messenger of grace, I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from my throne and worship only thee. So shall my walk be closed with God, calm and serene my free, so pure light shall mark the road that leads me to the land.